I remember the first time I went uh, snow skiing. I was up in Wisconsin, and it was kind of a testosterone-filled adventure with a bunch of guys that uh, most of the guys I was with, they were really good skiers. They'd been going for, for years, and so we arrived at the resort. I, uh, we all threw our suitcases in the cabin, and we headed straight to the lodge, and I was getting fitted for, for gear. And so finally, after we went through that ordeal, we headed outside, and we're ready to go, and the guys go, are you good? And before I could answer them, they had taken off, and they're yelling, follow us. And so we end up in a line. We're getting on the chairlift. And uh, I remember, I've never skied before, okay? So we're in the line. I'm telling the guys, I've never skied before. And they go, it'll be okay. We'll, we'll take it slow. And uh, so we get on the lift, which that was a little bit of an ordeal. But we get on the lift, and so then they start explaining to me that this is a really hard lift to, to exit. And so they're giving me some pointers and they go, are you good? And I'm like, do I have a choice? You know, and so we're heading up and then I'm like, I, I've never skied before. And so they give me like a two minute instruction as we're heading up, okay? And when we got to the top, they were right. It was very difficult getting off the ski lift. And so when we disembarked, uh, I wiped out a small family on the, on the way down. and. Uh, there, uh, it was one of those moments, and uh, so we're all kind of picking stuff up, and they're looking at me like, I can't believe you knocked into my kids and knocked them over and all that. And the guys go, are you good? Before I could answer them, off they go again, and they're like, follow us. And so we, I'm following them, and we get to, to the trail, and I'm thinking, this stuff looks really steep. And... So I start off, I tell you, it, it was steep. And so I hit the bottom and I got there pretty, pretty quick. I'm in a panic and uh, the guys come over and they go, are you good? I'm like, I'm alive. And they explained that we had just skied a difficult blue. And so they're high-fiving me and they're going, you're the man, you're the man. And now this is between us, right? I did not feel like the man at that moment. We head back up again. This time, the disembarking on the, on the lift went a little better. I only took out the guy that I was riding with the, this time, and so it was a little smoother. And we get off. They go a different direction this time, different trail. And so the guys are kind of gathered up at the entrance. I finally, I, I catch up to them. And I'm looking, I'm thinking, this is a spectacular view. I mean, it's beautiful. And I'm kind of taking it in, and I notice a sign off to the side, and the name of the trail was Candy Pop. And I'm, I'm thinking, that sounds harmless enough. And the guys, they're kind of working their way to the edge, and so I work my way up to the edge. And I'm looking down. I'm talking steep, 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 steep. And then I look at the bottom, and it's a T, and you have to go one way or the other. And so all of a sudden, I'm, I'm very intimidated. I start looking for an exit strategy at that point. Then I see the sign, and it's got a black diamond on it, which if, you, if you've never been skiing, what a black diamond means is you're either an expert or an idiot, all right? 
I knew I wasn't an expert. So I'm feeling fear at this point. I mean, it kicks in. It's, it was the type of thing that the body starts tightening up, and it wasn't because of anticipation. It wasn't because of excitement. No, fear is kicking in. It's that feeling that you get when you know you're about to do something that will either cause extreme pain or possible disfigurement or, or whatever. So I'm assessing things. I'm trying to figure out a uh, manly way to bow out of this. Now inside, I'm thinking, I want to turn around and never come back here again. Never. The guys go, you want to guess what they ask? Are you good? <laughs> and before I could answer them, they go over the edge and, and down they go. Friends, I could not bring myself to go off the edge. I, I wanted to have the courage, but the more I looked at that slope, the more fear just paralyzed me. And so I decided I was going to bail out. I'm going to take a different way down, a different trail. And so I'm up on the edge, and I kind of push back, and the snow breaks loose. Anybody into science? <laughs> I start forward. Not my plan. I get going so fast. I'm halfway down this hill before I realize I've even taken off, really. And I am seriously going fast. I'm out of control. And so finally, I did the only thing that I, I knew to do. And I bail out. I bail out backwards. And I'm dragging my arms down the hill, and I've got the poles, and I'm going down, and I'm going fast still, and I'm trying to create friction to slow myself down. No, no kidding. 150-foot snow angel on this slope. I mean, snow's flying, the poles are whipping around, and lost my skis. I mean, I, my heart was pounding, and I finally come to a rest at the bottom. And after I'm able to breathe again, I start kind of assessing things. Two arms, two legs, you know checking to see if I got any injuries. The guys come over, they're gathered around me, and they go, are you good? Now inside, I'm thinking, are you kidding me? You're gonna ask me if I'm good? Did you see what just happened? Or are you guys trying to kill me? Which I still don't know, that may have been the case. That's what I thought. But you know what I said? There you go. Are you good? I'm great. I got back up, and as soon as I could get my gear back on and my composure, I go, are you guys good? And I take off <laughs> before they could answer me. I go, follow me. <laughs> and uh, I stayed on the blues the remainder of the day. Well, other than the moguls, and I'll tell you that story some other time, but uh, it, it was, uh, it was quite, a, quite a day. But there was that moment of fear. And my question today, have you ever had a time in your life when you were gripped by fear? Now, not the kind of fear that warns you not to do something stupid at a ski resort, all right? But fear, fear about your future, 
fear about a situation that you're facing. You know, fear about a decision at work or, or school or about your past or something you've done. Fear that paralyzes you, leaves you helpless. In fact, many times leaves you alone. And over the past few weeks, we've been asking the question, how big is your God? How big's your God? Because I am convinced that people's lives, the way they live is in direct correlation to how big the size of their God is. We've talked about the fact that many Christians can talk a big game, but they live little God lives, where God's a very small part uh, of their lives. And I have said over and over, God is big. God is big enough. God is strong enough. God is bigger than whatever it is that we face in life. And that area where we struggle to believe that God's big enough is the area where you'll struggle with fear. And so today what I want to do, I want to look at a story, a story that uh, I believe will change maybe the way that we think about fear, the way we think about uh, courage. Stories found in Exodus 4, and I want to kind of bring you up to speed what happened in the previous chapter. And I'm just going to kind of talk to it. I'd encourage you maybe to uh, take a read, use it as your devotions this week. But Exodus 4 is, we now have Moses, who in the previous chapter has been called by God to lead Israel out of slavery in Egypt. Uh, He's been called to lead them to the promised land. And God made four incredible promises in that previous chapter. God says, I'll be with you. You find that in 312. And then he says, I'll bring the Israelites out of Egypt. That's going to happen again in 312. And then in 318, he says, the elders of Israel, they will listen to you when you show up. And then he goes on and promises that the Egyptians will respond favorably to, to his words, that uh, the Egyptians will let, let them go. And uh, you find that in verse 21. Big promises from a great big God. And you would think after Moses hearing those promises, what I expect is that Moses would be full of confidence and courage and that he wouldn't have any fear And this is where we pick up our story today. I mean, when I think about Moses, I think about a big, big guy with a bold faith, big faith. I I picture Moses standing up to Pharaoh, who would have been the, the strongest and most powerful man in the world at that time. You know, I think about Moses that courageously led the the children of Israel through the desert and took them to the promised land. But initially, Moses isn't this big guy. In spite of God's promises, we find Moses is not very courageous. In fact, Moses shows a lot of fear, a lot of reluctancy, a lot of uncertainty. In fact, so much so that Moses kind of resists God's call. And when I read the story, to be honest, Moses just sounds scared at points, which is something I think we all face in our life. We have those moments in our lives where fear just kicks in. 
And it's interesting because Moses raises some questions. I think they're questions that we frequently ask. You know, they're, they're questions that Moses raises that I, I believe helps us understand how fear works. And we're going to see how God responds to that fear. So the story starts out, Moses answered. Remember, God's just called him, called him to lead. He says, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say the Lord did not appear to you? Now, here's the familiar question there. What if? What if? What if something bad happens? What if this doesn't work out? This is where fear kicks in. It's the what ifs of life. You know, what if it it takes hold in in our lives and fear, it, it just gets a hold of us. It kicks in as we look at our external circumstances. You can always spot fear with those two key words. What if? What if? I remember uh, years ago, I was leading a retreat, and we were spending a week at a camp, and we were going through uh, some trust exercises with with the group. We had a guide that came in and was taking us through them. And that day, we were going to go rock repelling. And uh, so the guide spent the morning teaching us uh, about the gear, talking to us about how it worked and techniques and safety and everything. And then he had us grab our gear and we started hiking. Now, everybody was excited about the possibility. I mean, we finally came to the clearing. Again, beautiful view. I've learned that sometimes beautiful views, they have something attached to them there. And I'm looking, and the group, uh, as we moved in a little bit closer, it got really quiet. Because we're looking over the edge, and it's 150 feet down to the first ledge, and there were several ledges. So, I mean, we were up there. And I looked at the the youth and some of the the leaders that were with us, and you could tell concern had kicked in. The what-ifs had kicked in. You know, the group, it was funny, because that morning, he had an open time, said, any questions? Oh, we didn't have any questions. Now we're up there on the site, and we're looking off. There were lots of questions at this point. People were like, well, what if, what if the rope breaks? You know, what if the equipment fails? What if rocks and boulders start coming? What if uh, there's an earthquake? You know, what if uh, we pass out? What if we freak out? Has anybody ever died doing this? A lot of fear. It was a significant shift in everybody's attitude. Now, the guide, he asked for volunteers. No one volunteered to go first. In fact, I saw some of the youth and a few sponsors kind of inch back, like, okay, I'll make sure I'm not in view here. And so I was watching this, and I thought, okay, I got to show everybody there's nothing to be afraid of. So I said, I'll go, I'll go first. Then he asks, he says, well, who will belay for him? Which, if you don't know anything about rock climbing, that's kind of the last defense person. That's the person that has control of the rope, ultimately, in case of an emergency. We got a volunteer. It was the kid. The kid in the youth group that's always goofing off. The kid that is always in trouble. 
the one that he, he seldom could follow directions. He couldn't remember things. He'd get sidetracked. He had the, honestly, the attention of a gnat, okay? Fear kicked in me <laughs> at that point. Because I started thinking, what if he gets preoccupied with something else? Oh, a bird, you know. What if he forgets what he's doing? What if he lets go of the rope to tie his shoes? You know, I mean, I started thinking all kinds of crazy things. I mean, what if he thinks it'd be really funny just to let go? You know, what if he doesn't like me? Fear. Now, we had a great day. He actually did what he was supposed to do. It was an amazing experience. You ever get a chance, go for it. Friends, sometimes the what-ifs, there are what-if questions, and some of them are ridiculous. But some of them can be very legitimate. I think about Moses. Moses, I think, had some legitimate questions in his life. You know, Moses, uh, he he had just fled from Egypt. He's out in the desert. He... He had seen a, a Egyptian being beaten, or an Israelite being beaten by an Egyptian. And Moses kind of responded to it in anger. In a fit of rage, he ended up killing the guy. And so Moses is a fugitive. He's a wanted man at this point. He's hiding in the desert. He's a shepherd in a foreign land. And it's there that God calls Moses. And God's calling him to return to Egypt. He wants him to approach the leaders of Israel and ultimately the leader of Egypt. He wants him to tell them that he's just been encountered by the living God in a burning bush. That he's been called to lead Israel out of Egypt lead them to the promised land. Can you imagine having to go back to a place where you're wanted? And can you imagine how the people might respond to you? You're Moses? Moses, go sell your crazy somewhere else. I mean, this will not work. You're wanted. You're not going to be able to go talk to the Pharaoh. This makes no sense. Moses, there are flaws in this plan. I mean, have you ever asked those kind of questions when God's called you to do something or you're, you're forced to face something? You know, what if? What if the decision doesn't go well? What if things go wrong? I mean, what if this relationship doesn't work out? Moses is saying, well, what if they don't believe me? What if they won't listen to me? What if? Full of fear. God responds to that fear. He says, what is that in your hand? Must have seemed like a dumb question to Moses. And I imagine Moses going... Well, that's kind of obvious, God. You remember, I'm a shepherd now. Uh, shepherds carry these things around. They're called staffs. I mean, this staff, it, it doesn't command any authority. There's nothing special about it. 
I, I, it's just a sign that I take care of sheep. And God says, throw it to the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake. I love this. And he ran from it. He, he pulled back from it. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reaches out and took hold of the snake. And it turned back into a staff in his hand. God turns the staff into a snake. You know, it's almost like God's saying, you know what, I'm going to take something very ordinary. Something that you think's ordinary. And I'm going to do something extraordinary through it. See, I think God wanted to show Moses something really important. He wanted to show him that what he had in his hand was enough to accomplish what God wanted to accomplish. You know, it was a sign. And God would use it. You know the story of Moses. I mean, he would use that staff to bring the ten plagues that ultimately Pharaoh would free them. I mean, he would use that staff to part the waters. He would use that staff to, to tap a rock and, and bring water out of it. How many of you got your cell phones with you? All right, how many of you are using them while I'm talking? Yeah. But how many of you would be less afraid if you could, like, part traffic with your cell phone? Friends, God can work with what you have. God can calm your fears about your circumstance. God can calm your, your fears, the, the what-ifs in life with what you have in your life, what you have in your hand. I mean, it may be as simple as God puts, puts in front of you an, a name, someone on your cell phone. Someone that God presses you to just give them a call so you can see the power of reconciliation. I mean, it could be displayed that way. You know, it could be that, that moment or the, that uh, where God presses on you and you, you have money in your wallet or in an account. And God says, you know what, you could use that for the kingdom. You can make a difference in someone's life with that. You know, it could be as simple as a talent or a gift and God says you know what let's use this gift to bless someone else's life you know it's only as we let God have what we already have that God begins to move I mean as we trust God with the what ifs as we trust God with what's in our hand with what we've got, God moves. And I know as I say this, some of you are going, eh, I don't, I'm not convinced. And I want to say that's okay. Moses wasn't either. Moses is not sure about this whole thing. He's not sure about God's call. He, he's struggling with fear. And so he kind of moves to the next stage and he starts questioning himself. Scripture says this, says, Moses said to, to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord, 
I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I'm slow of speech and tongue. See, Moses moves from fear about his circumstance to something much deeper, much deeper doubts that he has. Moses starts questioning himself. It's not so much what might go wrong now. No, Moses is going, who am I? Or better yet, who am I not? You know, Moses' fear is based in some of his inadequacies or what he sees as his inadequacies. Have you ever faced a challenge or a struggle in your life and immediately, you know, I am not smart enough to deal with this. I'm not strong enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not qualified to do this. I'm too old. I'm too young. I'm too new. I'm flawed. I'm weak. I'm me. It gets in your head, doesn't it? You start questioning yourself. Start questioning your abilities, your strength, the possibilities. It's what happened to Moses. See, that gives me hope. I mean, God responds to him. God says, who gave human beings their mouth? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? God's raising a big question here. Big question. I mean, God is saying, who makes people? Who decides what they have, what they don't have? Who decides what, what they've got in their lives? Who, whose strength really matters? Yours, mine? See, God's reminding him something really big, something we need to understand. You know, I mean, for Moses, Moses realizes he's not in a relationship with an inanimate object, an inanimate God. No, he's in relationship with a God who's all-knowing, who's all-powerful, who's ever-present. You know, a God that is living and moving and active, a God that's big, a God that's made some big promises and promises to move in a big way in Moses' life. And I think about the fact that, I mean, how many of us live re really small lives as if our God is really, really small. And so we struggle with fear. I think we struggle with fear many times because we believe that the quality of our lives it's based solely on the quality of our talent, our skills, our gifts, our strength, our power. And friends, I have learned something over the years, something that, that really changes the way that you live because I have faced situations where I have been outgunned and outmatched. And I have faced situations where I knew I was not smart enough and I was not strong enough, and I did not have enough resources. 
But what I have found is when I come to that point, and this is the pivot point, where I say, I can't, but you can. God shows up. I mean, God shows up and gives me words when I don't have words. He gives me strength when I'm weak. He gives me joy when my heart is heavy. He gives me vision and direction when, honestly, it's just hazy ahead. It's how God works. It's how God works in my life. It's how God can work in your life. Not, not because God has some task that he needs done, I mean, that's a piece of it. But more importantly, God is interested in what he can do in you and through you. It's part of the healing process in our lives. I mean, God wants to heal you so that you don't have to worry, so you don't have to be afraid, so you don't have to have all that anxiety, so you don't have to worry, I'm not qualified. Don't have to worry and be afraid. Oh, I'm not strong enough. I'm not smart enough. I don't have what it takes. See, our God's big, bigger than all that. I mean, what better place for Moses to learn that God's strength is strong enough? God calls him to speak, be a spokesperson. He can't speak. He's not even good at it. He struggles with it. He knows that. Moses isn't really convinced yet. The, the, the fear still has a hold of him. And so Moses is going to raise another objection with God. He says, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. Do you see the question there? I mean, there are those moments in life where you ask that question can't you send someone else God some of you have been saying that to God for a while someone else God someone smarter someone better someone bigger there are moments when fear just gets the best of us and I know it sounds nice to say well God will use what's in your hand and some of you are going, well, that's great. Yeah, so God will show up and help me somewhere along the way. But today, in this situation, it's simply not enough. I mean, there's too much pain. There's too many obstacles. The risks are too great. And what happens is it builds up in your life, and then the fear just kicks in and it fuels the fear to the point that you want to bail, you want to give up, you want to not go forward, you don't want to do what God wants you to do. Have you ever had a moment like that? I mean, maybe it's today. You just go, I can't. I mean, I have. Moses, Moses certainly did. He says, God, can't you send somebody else? I don't want any part of this. And I love how God responds to him. Scripture says, then the Lord's anger burned. I, I take that. God's just getting a little irritated at this point. He's like, Moses, I've called you. We just keep having to go through this. But God, God goes with him. He says, what about your brother Aaron, the Levite? 
I know he can speak well. In fact, he's already on his way to meet you, and he will be glad to see you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth, and I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. Now, initially, when I read this, I think God's letting Moses off the hook. But he's not. I actually think that God is pointing him to a more profound truth. Serve one another. Love one another. Encourage one another. Pray for one another. You know, God knows that we are not going to get through this life alone. I mean, God knows that most of the time, we cannot overcome fear and doubt in isolation. See, God knows something very, very important. We need one another. I mean, there have been those times in my life, fear kicks in, gets a grip on me, and I get worn down. And I'm looking at the challenge, and I think, that's big. You know, I'm looking at what I had, and I'm thinking, it's not very much. I'm looking at the situation, and I know, I know I'm weak, and I know God's strong. But in my heart, I hit that point where I'm like, find somebody else. I am tired. I am weary. I can't do this. And you know what God does? God shows up anyway. I mean, not in a burning bush. Not in some highly visible display of power. You know how God shows up? Friends. Friends that pull up next to me. Go, we're here for you. We'll help you. We'll trust God for you. We'll pray for you. We'll be by your side. I mean, too often, friends, we live as if God wants us to move forward, have courage, and do it on our own. Most of the time, that's not the case most of the time. See, too many Christians, I think, operate with a a mode of operation. I I call it the little engine that could mentality. Draw on our own strength. Remember what the engine said? I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. And that is kind of uh, how the world looks at these kind of things. You, you got to challenge and go, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. And if you say it enough times and you look in the mirror and you really believe it and you dig really deep, you'll start believing it and then you can. Moses? Moses is ready to give up. He's not, he doesn't want to go back. He doesn't want to lead. He doesn't want to accept God's call. And you notice God doesn't say to him, Moses, dig deeper. Search harder. No. God looks at the situation. Says, hey, Moses, 
I remember, uh, you got a brother, don't you? Your brother's a really good speaker. In fact, you don't know it, but he's heading this way right now. And he's going to be really excited to see you. You do not have to do this alone. Fear. Messes up a lot of people's lives. Some of you, fear's messing your life up right now. Sometimes part of the problem in those moments of fear, part of the problem is we don't recognize courage. I mean, sometimes the most courageous thing you can do is say, you know what, I need help. I need to allow a brother or sister to pull up next to me and to help me through this. And I know it sounds really simple. And I also know that it feels scary. And I also know it means taking a risk. But friends, nothing, nothing prepares you for God's grace and God's power. Nothing prepares you more than acknowledging I can't do this on my own. I need help. I need an Aaron in my life. I mean, maybe there's a situation you fear today. Maybe there's a situation, a battle with sin or some struggle in your life, or maybe you're facing something that you're just not sure how you're going to get through. And friends, maybe what you need to do is invite someone alongside. Someone to help you. Someone to encourage you. Somebody to hold you accountable. Somebody to speak into your life. You know, do not let pride get in the way. Because you know what pride will do for you? It will lead you to more fear in your life. Now, some of you today are strong. Today's a good day been a good season some of you if that's the case maybe God's calling you to be that Aaron for someone else you know to take initiative to look around you and go man I know they're going through some stuff right now I know they're struggling or whatever and to just move alongside them be excited to see them to engage with them to speak for them or whatever we are not meant to face fear alone in life you know sometimes I I think we're waiting for that great big moment where we can show great courage daring bold faith and I think what God's looking for is for us to simply trust him trust that his strength is enough trust that his power is enough to just trust God, let God work in us and through us. Friends, big God, big God. This life is full of big problems, big challenges, fear and uncertainty and anxiety and worry, big, big problems, but we have a bigger God, way bigger than whatever it is you're going through today. You know, Moses, it's interesting because 
Moses through all these questions. You know, he kind of works through his fear. He, he comes to realize something that would change his whole life. In fact, would change the destiny of a nation. Because he realized that his God was big. Bigger than whatever he faced. Really big God. And Moses, at that point, after he had got done talking with God, he chooses, he chooses to live a big God life. So it's no surprise if you read the book of Exodus, it is no surprise Moses experiences a big God life. And so here's the question. I've been asking it through this whole series. And I want to ask it one last time. How big's your God? Because you have a choice to make in life. God can be small, be a very small part of your life. Lots of people choose it. Or you can work through your fears and say, I want a big God. And God's bigger than whatever you face. I'm going to invite the the band up. Friends, some of you today, I know fear's got a hold of you. And I know the what-ifs. They kick in. You know, doctor gave a bad report. Things are going south at work. Relationships on, on, on the fritz or whatever. And the what-ifs kick in. And I know that some of you, what, what's going on is inside. You're going, I'm not, I'm not strong enough. I'm not smart enough. I can't get through this. I, 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 I just don't have what it takes And some of you, God's been pressing you for a long time to be doing something, to take a step or whatever, and you feel the Holy Spirit pressing on you, and you keep resisting, and you keep going, can't somebody else do this? Somebody else will take care of it. Somebody else will go talk to my neighbor. Somebody else will reach out to them. Somebody else, and God's saying, it's you. And you know what's keeping you from doing it? Fear. And so you get a choice. Little God life, Big God life. But I'll tell you, friends, I will never trade for anything but a big God life. And you got a choice with whatever it is you're facing. Let's stand and uh, have a word of prayer together. Our holy God, God, I know there are some here today and um, they're facing situations. Something's going on in their life that fear's just got a hold. God, I pray that you would, through your Holy Spirit, have a conversation. A lot like that conversation you had with Moses. God, that you would help us to take big, bold steps. God, forgive us if uh, 
Maybe we've been pushing things off for a long time. God, I know you're bigger than whatever it is. You move mountains, make the blind to see. You make a way when there is no way. You conquer enemies. Take someone small and weak and make them strong. God, I pray that when we hit those moments that we'd remember you're a big God. Bigger than whatever it is. God, we lift our voices to you in praise this morning. For you see us through all things. Guide our steps, guide our ways. It's in Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. God's people said.